0: Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday afternoon, just back from Las Vegas to the friendly confines of New Orleans. Where is it more comfortable to be right now? Las Vegas or New Orleans, Andrew Lopez.
1: It depends on if you what's your preference on humidity. I'd I'd think I'd rather be home and sweating and have, you know, 98 degrees feel like 110 than be in the, the baking oven that is Las Vegas. Although I did get out of Las Vegas before, it's gonna be like one eighteen this weekend. So I think I think I won. I don't I don't know. <laughs>
0: tell me if you think what I'm about to say is insane. And I know that we talk about the NBA and we're now talking about weather, but you tell me if you think what I'm about to say is insane. As a veteran of many of many weeks spent in Las Vegas in July and August in my career covering summer league and team USA, I believe you can smell the heat. And what, what I mean by that is it gets so hot. There's something that comes off the concrete or the asphalt and I can smell there's like a,
1: I think you just they, smell of people's feet. <laughs> <laughs> I think, think you just smell of people's feet burning <laughs> on the cement. I think that's all that is.
0: Okay. Well, I can't deny that possibility. <laughs> so you were on the Victor Wembanyama beat for us in uh, Las Vegas, your first experience with him, but you also were in San Antonio mm-hmm. for practice. You were there for when he was introduced. So I think you may have exceeded. You now have replaced me at ESPN for interviews and time around Victor. So before we talk about the Vegas week, I just want to know, what do you think of them? What's your impression of them? Um, you've obviously probably heard a lot about them. Tell me what you think.
1: You know, as, as most like, you know, NBA nerds on Twitter, I've you know been following something about Victor since he was 15, 16 years old and, and, and watching clips and, seeing exactly what he was going to do and how, how it was going to pan out, watched. I remember, I think it was, I think during the games in, in Vegas, the, the initial ones, the, the G League exhibition ones, um, when he played the Ignite and Scoop, I remember like there was a, a game that night that I had to cover, and I was, like, I was very upset that I had to cover it because I think it might have been like, it might have, honestly, it might have been Zion in San Antonio. Uh, for one of his first preseason games back, honestly, but I remember like having to go back and like, no, I'm going to watch this full game as soon as I got back to the room that night and, and watching the second game and, and being so impressed and following him obviously throughout the season like like most NBA fans have. But the the thing that has jumped out to me in person, seeing everything that he has done since the draft, you know, throwing out the first pitch at the Yankees game, doing all the media, doing the subway and everything, it's just how poised he is. For the amount of pressure that is being put on him, and I think he has talked about his parents and talked about his agents and everybody around and his team, kind of kind of mentally preparing him for for what's to come. And I think I, I asked Pop about this at the the post draft availability where, where we talked to Pop, you know, right after the pick, and he again, great, you know, credited his parents for everything they have done for him. It's just he he understands his place in the spotlight. I think we kind of saw a little bit about, about that even this, this past week with the, the, the Britney Spears situation of, of how he came out and handled that and, and, and talked about it right away. I think sometimes there's, there's teams that probably would have not put him anywhere near a microphone 12 hours. Yeah, after mean, I, we have like the
0: that. video have. from that. I don't know right. what happened to her. I, you know, the video that I saw was, she was from the back her head like snapped back. I don't know what happened to her, but what I do know is that Victor had nothing to do with it. Right. I don't think he ever saw her. I don't think he knew it was Britney Spears. I don't know if she, what she said, but I can say based on that video, Victor had nothing to do with it, but no. you're right. He did come out the next day and address it.
1: I mean, 12, like 12, 14 hours later, he's in front of microphones talking about it and was very poised in, in how he handled that situation. Um, he knows there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He knows we've seen how he's dealt with pressure. You know, just that first game, nine, eight, two for thirteen from the field, and then he comes back and responds the way he does. And I think he the, the poise and being prepared for the moment is kind of the thing uh, that has stood out to me. Other than the fact that like he's way up there, like that that's the other thing that you have to look for is the fact. Look, seven. I'm not buying seven three two twenty five on. All right. I'm well. About 2. Me, I'm not buying seven three and a half.
0: Let me say this about his height, because I was it was saying seven five for months. He, I didn't make up seven five. I was told seven five. Okay, Zion or uh, Zion Victor announced he was seven three, and when he was measured in bare feet, he came up at like seven three and five eighths. Right. Yeah. So that would be seven four in bare feet.
1: That's seven four to me.
0: And in shoes, which is what NBA players are usually measured in,
1: and you know what? I'm pretty sure they usually play in those as well. So I think that might be uh, might be key to I'm the fi- measurement,
0: yes. So I think he actually is seven five when he's out on the court. But for some reason, he doesn't want to be seven five. He does not want to be seven four. He wants to be seven three. So people are now calling him seven three because that's what he wants. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that's strange is when you have guys who want to be shorter, mm-hmm. um, like KG for years called himself 6'11. He wasn't. He was like 7'1. I think Durant is listed at 6'10. Jackson just yeah. pointed out to me. He's seven foot, I think. Um, most people want to go taller. You know, like nobody in the right. NBA is very few people in the NBA are 6'9. Because if you're six nine, you call yourself six ten. Six ten yeah. sounds a lot better than six nine.
1: Trey, um, Trey, Murphy some, has, Trey Murphy has said that before. He's six nine and a half. But he's like, I'm gonna call myself six ten because who's gonna say they're six nine and a half? He's like, nobody's exactly. gonna say they're six, nine and a half. And if you're uh, six
0: nine and a half, you can call yourself six ten, right?
1: Yeah, it's when you're six uh six, seven and a half and you try to call yourself six ten. And, right. and the there's a ton started. of guys
0: out there listed at seven feet that are not seven feet. Yeah. Okay. But there are occasionally guys who want to be too sh- sh- short. You remember, like a couple of years ago—I am going to say maybe it was four years ago—the NBA said they were going to remeasure everybody and give accurate heights. Yep. And like all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people lost an inch. Yeah. Except for LeBron, gained an inch. He went from six eight to six nine.
1: LeBron gained an inch. I think KD—that's when KD went from like six nine to six ten. Um, yeah. There was a a few. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe KD is actually six eleven, but whatever. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you know, <laughs> you, you...
1: but no, I mean, that's that's the other thing. I mean, obviously, look, the height is there, right, and you know, I know I, know, I, I watched him. I stand next to Kareem on other day, and I know Kareem is older and he's, he's a little hunched over, but he's just he towers just over everybody and everything at all times. The funniest thing to me about the entire week in Vegas is when you, you know, when you have the team huddle and everybody puts their hand up, you know, for the break and everybody kind of reaches high. Victor still reaches high like nobody's reaching you in the huddle. Victor. Like, nobody's <laughs> nobody's gonna everybody's gonna go straight up if they're gonna meet you in the huddle. He's just put his hand up high gets you know for the break and like you just see this huddle of hands here and then like Victor's is like way up you it's just it's like come on man so that would look he, that is obviously one thing but the, again the poise that he has shown poise that he has shown in interviews, the poise that he has shown. Um, just around, um, that has been to me the the most impressive thing after watching him come over um, just right before the draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been preparing for this for a long time, as you could imagine. It sounded in some interviews like he kind of was doing two things. He was practicing a little bit with the Spurs Summer League team, but he didn't go mm-hmm. with them to sac- Sacramento. Correct. Sounded like he's been spending some time with the Spurs frontline guys. And uh, Well, he didn't just go to dinner with Tim Duncan and Ginobili <laughs> and
1: um, David Robinson, Sean uh, David Elliott, Robinson, yeah.
0: Sean Elliott. He also may have been on the court with like Kelvin Johnson and Devin Vassell, et cetera. Um, did you get that impression that that's what was going on while the team was the rest of the summer league guys were in, in uh, Sacramento?
1: Yeah, and I think he actually kind of slipped and said it. And uh, I think it was that first interview. So Jeremy Sohan was, was I think, stayed back. So he's been working out with those guys. And I think that was kind of part of go you know, When they went to California Classic, it was, hey, look, you, you guys go do that. I'm going to stay back, get settled in San Antonio, but let's work out with these guys, the guys who I'm going to be playing with, the guys who are going to be in the starting lineup with me, uh, things like that. And I think that's probably what he needs to be doing here for the next you know two or three months. I think that's what the plan is. Is,
0: is the, is the keep, Spurs' keep, new facility open yet?
1: Not yet, but it, it it should be open for training camp. So, okay. he he made a comment about, you know, I asked him uh, after the the game on Sunday, so the the second game, you know, what what are your plans? What are you going to do? And he's like, look, he's like, I got to figure out where we're practicing. If it's going to be in San Antonio, if it's going to be elsewhere, we're we doing, you know, we're going to have like a mini camp somewhere, I, I guess. So, and I think some of that is because the new facility is is supposed to be open for training camp, but they're still putting the final touches on it and how long they're going to be there. So he's, he's going to be putting in work for the next two to three months. And in fact, I think the word that he used, the phrase that he used was, you know, these next two to three months are, are going to be great for me and they're going to change my life. I mean, that's how he's looking at the time between now and the start of the regular season.
0: Let's have some mid July uh, practice facility talk here real quick.
1: <laughs> um,
0: Cause we are in the dead period. Um, Joe Cronin, the general manager of the Blazers, announced um, on Monday that it could be, quote, months and months before Dame Lillard is traded. So uh, we can all go on vacation, Andrew. We'll see you in September.
1: (laughs) More Hoop Collective Podcast after this.
0: Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket. With Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner vspn ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H O O P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Com. sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package so the spurs kind of set the standard for the modern practice facility when they opened their current one don't hold me to this but i want to say it was like in 2003 ish sometime in the early 2000s Maybe it was a year later, a year earlier um, where they had this standalone facility that was, you know, some distance away from the center of town. And like with everything with the Spurs, a whole bunch of people came in and copied it. And so when new practice facilities went up over the, over the whole NBA team started copying it, you know, um, and setting up these new facilities And I could kind of go down the list of teams that have, built new facilities, you know, that sort of are somewhat like the Spurs or somebody would take it to the next level and then the Spurs would, or I mean, uh, somebody take it to the next level and they would copy that. But the Spurs kind of were the genesis of it all. And so over the course of the last decade, we've seen a majority of the NBA open facilities. I mean, I could go down the list and tell you some of, you know, some of them, you know, Chicago has a beautiful facility right next to the United Center. Yes. The the wolves opened a facility next door to the Target Center. Gorgeous facility. One of the, the cool magic. things about the yeah. Well, hold on about that. Hold on about the magic. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the the wolves facility, part of what their facility is, used to be a movie theater, mm-hmm. and they kept one of the theaters that they used to like as a big screening room. Uh, like it's still a theater. Like they. It's actually whatever. really fun. Yeah.
1: The, the Lynx also you know, used that facility. Yeah. Right there in in, in Minnesota as well. that was nice because it's, 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 it's it's very much a, you know, the same thing
0: there. The Suns opened up one a couple of years ago, the Lakers and Clippers have opened up the new facilities within the last decade. I literally could go down the whole list. The Cavs opened one that was the class of the league in like 2006, seven ish. Um, That's a little bit, not quite the same, but that was it. You know, the 76ers opened a gorgeous facility in Camden and have a helipad there for when Josh Harris flies down from New York so we can land on top of the practice facility. Uh, I go on and on about yeah. facilities. The Nets opened one in an old warehouse in Brooklyn. So we were, it's, all that was happening. Okay. Then last year, the Orlando Magic raised the stakes and they opened <laughs> yeah. up the, I've never seen it, but I've seen okay. pictures of it.
1: I've, so you've seen it. Oh, I've, I've seen it. I've toured it. I've, I've been in it.
0: Okay, go for it. Tell us about, right. I'm sorry, but this is not really about analyzing basketball, but I'm interested in it. So tough luck this, in mid-July. Go ahead.
1: So the one thing about the Magic facility, first of all, it is maybe a block, block and a half away from the ambulance. So it, it, it's still very, very close. It is state-of-the-art everything. It is, it's, there, there's, that the, I, the, 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 it's more, and I think what we're going to start seeing it's more about the lifestyle of, of, of and taking care of everything about the player, rather than just here's two practice courts, here's a weight room, here's a very nice locker room. Now, the kitchen facilities are being upgraded. There's you know you can get your smoothies here, you can get your three meals a day if you want over here. There's a family area that all your family can be in if you want. The locker rooms themselves, there's actual closets behind these lockers.
0: Right. The, the, the players all have all like their a little. Each player has a walk-in closet behind his locker.
1: Is yes. that correct in saying that? That is that is 100% correct. I saw it and I was I I was amazed. The actual training part is all state of the art. All of the medical needs you have. You need to get scanned, you know, we're right, we're used to x-ray, x-ray, everything is in the building.
0: Yeah, one and, of the things that's happening like the Hawks have the Hawks and the Wolves and there may be more. They have an MRI center Attached to their practice facility. So a player needs an MRI, he takes an elevator and gets an MRI.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, it's everything about it was just top. I think it was like like an altitude chamber, um, which I think more teams are starting to get into now, or, or room. And so it was by far the most impressive facility that I think I have seen. And I think, as you said, that bar is now being set. And everybody is going to start having to try okay. to meet that. So what I'm saying we is,
0: years ago. so I know I've gotten off topic here, but the magic reset the standard yes. and the Spurs are about to reset it again with the facility that's about to open. And teams are trying to mimic what the Dallas Cowboys did when they built, I think it's called the star, yeah. a North of Dallas. I can't, McMahon's not here. I can't remember the town that it's in, but like, they built like a little Cowboys village. Yeah. And teams are trying to do that a little bit. The Raiders did something like that similar in Las Vegas. It's not quite the same. You know, the Cowboys are pretty <laughs> unique in how they roll. But anyway, the Spurs, in addition to getting Victor Embanyama, are about to reset the way um they train. In fact, the night of the lottery in Paris, when Victor found out he was gonna be a Spur. When everything calmed down and, and people were, you know, settling down and it was like three fifteen AM.
1: I was, I was
0: telling I was telling Victor and his parents, I was like, well, wait till you see the facility. I was like almost like acting as an agent of the Spurs, like telling him, like, hey, well, wait till you see the facility that they're at. but anyway, uh, yes, Victor will be he is elected, you know, to not play in the World Cup for the French, which was a real blow for them because the French are trying to win it. The French won silver at the last two major competitions, the European championships and the Olympics. They want to win it. They've got the Olympics in Paris next year. They want to win gold there. And Victor now playing was a blow, but he's not going to go back to France. He's going to stay in San Antonio and spend the rest of the summer. Right.
1: Yeah, that's the plan. And I know when I talked to him about that, I asked him about that a couple of weeks ago and he said he likened missing the world cup to not playing an entire regular season with the spurs he's like that's how it feels to me to miss a uh, an international competition and that's that's the level of kid like he wants to he wants to win next year as well i think everything he he wants to do coming off the full season uh in the french league finishing the finals right before the the draft obviously I mean, skipping california classic doing two games in vegas just to kind of get a little acclimated but deciding to skip the, it was just so much basketball he was going to play. and I think some of that has to do with thinking about about the Olympics and being, and and wanting to 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 help the French try to win gold next year. So he, he it was really a a real tough decision for him, I think to not play in this year's World Cup, but he also knows like there's other things I want to do. He, he He keeps talking about how he wants to you know get his body ready to to try and play an eighty two game season. And you could see, you could see his conditioning in the first game against the yeah, yeah. the Hornets the other tired. night. Was, he looked yeah. like genuinely and, tired at times, and were, a lot of his shots were short. Like, it's, there's a lot that he needs to do right now how to kind of you know prepare himself and get ready. And I think that's what these next two three months are going to be about: is is staying in San Antonio, staying you know with the guys that he is going to be playing with this season, and, and trying to make sure he is in the best shape possible to to do what he needs to do this season.
0: So, when you were at practices, you were at various Spurs practices, both in San Antonio and in Vegas. Did you listen to what other players on the team or some of the other said about Victor, like what what their impressions were?
1: So it, it's it's funny when we talked in in San Antonio again because these, these are still summer league practices, so we're not when I get in the Sohans, the you know the Keldon Johnsons, the Devin Vassell, like we're not talking to them in the trade. Deal. We're not getting there yet. But like the Malachi Branham's, the Blake Wesley's, the, you know, the, the other rookies who were playing with him on the summer league team, like the first one, I think it was Branham who said, like, yeah, the first thing I noticed was how big his hands were. Or one of them, one of them said oh, how yeah, big his I hands were, that. one of them said how big his feet were. Like they're they're just as in awe, I think, as everybody else about how big Victor really is. And you know, they started talking about, you know, it's gonna be nice to throw him lobs. It's a that's a very big catch radius that you that you have up there that you can kind of get to. So there, I think it might have been Blake talked about, you know, he doesn't have to jump to dunk it, but there's layups where he's on his tiptoes, which is just, you know, it's, it's just some insane things that um, he is able to do on the court. And I think we are just scratching the surface of seeing what he's, he's going to be able to do. on it.
0: By the way, Malachi Branham second best player in the, NBA from St. Vincent St. Mary High School, Akron, Ohio. <laughs> just in case you want to ever talk fighting in Irish basketball. We should have a round table with Malachi, me, and the guy who plays for the Lakers and talk, you know, Irish basketball history. Just I just want you to properly know. I now I'll know. Yes, I just want you to properly recognize I don't know how many NBA players your high school has in their NBA right now, Andrew Lopez.
1: Uh, right now, that would be zero. Yeah, that would be oh,
0: zero. All right. Well, well, I can't help you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Brandon actually looked not too bad in the uh, in the summer league. I don't have a. I don't have a problem with Victor only playing two summer league games. He played deep into the yeah into the into the, into the season. I you know it was interesting. I think the NBA <clears throat> tried to dangle out a little bait because. They're playing the Wizards in game three. And the Wizards have Bilal Kulabali, his yes. um, his teammate. So, like, I think everybody, I think when they made the schedule, they knew that Victor was going to play probably two games. And so, you know, they had him play Brandon Miller in game one, and it was going to be a scoot in game two. Scoot got hurt his shoulder. And I think they were saying, well, maybe if we just stick Kubali in game three, maybe Victor will be tempted. And um, he, he passed on it. So, um, but anyway, I don't have a problem with it. You know, one of the things about this summer league, there's not a lot of juice coming out of this summer league. Probably, partially because Henderson and Amin Thompson got hurt. Yeah, I was just t- texting with a with a personnel guy today, and he was like, "This is like the quietest summer league, you know, in terms of juice um, in a long time." So. Um, and that's the thing, like after the first four or five days of summer league, like I think we're in it's Tuesday. we're like day five right now, day four or five.
1: Yeah.
0: we see a we see a a downward trajectory in terms of you know all the players to where they're sitting courtside, they'll go home, you know, it's just like any Vegas trip after four days, that's enough. and um
1: it's gonna so it's gonna you, feel lonely. I think uh, Larry Nance is is staying you know throughout, but it's because um. His younger brother Pete is playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I feel like I feel like Larry's gonna be sitting by himself on like courtside come like Thursday and Friday. Yeah, so, all the other guys have like, All right, we got our first meeting, man. we're out.
0: Somebody I know sent me a photo of Larry sitting courtside the other day and he was wearing jersey. a jersey that had his his number, which I think is twenty two, which also was his dad's mm-hmm. number, and Nance on the back. And they were like, did, is Larry seriously wearing his own jersey? And I'm like, no, he's wearing his brother's jersey, but he is wearing a jersey that says Nance.
1: Nance yeah, he is. So, it is says 22 and Nance. It just happens to say Northwestern. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was his Northwestern jersey. It wasn't even. I so think Pete it was. But I
0: couldn't, you couldn't see the front. You could just okay. see the back.
1: So, yeah. So, Pete actually, Pete, he did his four years in Northwestern and then finished UAC. So. He was wearing his Northwestern jersey. That day.
0: Another Akron, Ohio NBA product. I don't. Know. I can't help you. Wow. I can't help you, Andrew Lopez, if your town ain't produced in NBA dudes like this. So wow. I can't. Who do we, who do we Actually, have right now? Malachi Branham is from uh, Columbus, but he went to school in Akron. That's all. You know, that's why we call Oh, him that's
1: him. all that matters then. You just yeah. claim him. <laughs> That's right. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't.
0: One guy made it home. The guy not
1: wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, I wanted to ask you also about the Pelicans. You live in New Orleans, cover the Pelicans. We've had an interesting summer. How would you phrase what happened with the Pelicans in Zion this summer?
1: A lot of things have happened with Zion this summer, but it has been... Um...
0: Non-female companion. Division. Yeah. Not, yeah. As Zion. far as
1: the, the actual basketball, there there was one, I think, kind of maybe maybe somewhat significant move in, in just what they have done with Z is, is when the Pels decided to get rid of uh, Teresa Weatherspoon, who was Zion's kind of PD coach the last few years. And I think it, it had nothing to do with relationships or, or, you know, with, I mean, how her relationship with Z and how they were developing or anything like that. It was just more of a, a, a staff a personnel issue where. Willie Green, who when, you know, when Willie Green was brought in, remember he was brought in right after Stan Van Gundy was here for one year in New Orleans. And a lot of that staff ended up just staying the same. So when, when Willie really started, I think he was really, he be only able to bring in one or two guys of, of his own uh, to be on the staff. I think a lot of we were still kind of holdovers. And I think this is just kind of a natural progression in him, you know, being able to get more people. I mean,
0: I'll just say what it is. You know, when he was hired, his reputation as a head coach was not established. He was sort of a—I don't want to say weak, because you would never call Willie weak—but he didn't possess, you know, extraordinary leverage, and therefore did not have as much control over his staff. And this is not Mm -hmm. unique to New Orleans. And after doing a pretty good job the first two years, Willie has established himself, and frankly, is a stronger positional, you know, he's got more say and more right. strength and he has more leverage and he's getting to call more shots on who's on his staff. And I presume that he was ready to make a change in that regard. I think right. that's and, the way to put it. Am I off and, base?
1: And there's, there's been some, uh, some, a few more channels, but they, like they brought in James Borrego this year which is, is 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 kind of a big move for them. And Borrego actually has a very good relationship with Willie. He was an assistant coach the one year Willie Green was was in New Orleans. Um, then he was an assistant coach in Orlando where Willie Green spent his final year and actually was, I think, playing a 34, 35-year-old Willie Green down the stretch when he took over as the interim coach in Orlando because of how much he trusted Willie. So, now, Borrego's kind of into – to run the offense a little bit here for for the Pelts this year, um, he's got you know Jaron Collins who who interviewed with you know Detroit for for that job and was 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 a candidate before they decided to make money an offer that money couldn't refuse um, to to go to Detroit. So it, it's slowly building up the staff kind of in, in the way he he wants, and I think that was kind of one thing. And I think they brought C in to tell him that news face to face. Rather than let him find out on social, which I think was was kind of it shows you the, you know, how they want to look. We're, we're, this is something that we know means something to you. We don't want that to be something you find out on social or something you find out from somebody else. So they brought him in for that. Um, he has been at the facility more than what he has been in the past. And that's uh, somewhat of a byproduct of before he's kind of when he has been in, New Orleans in the summer, he works out on his own. That's just how he has done stuff. Sometimes he'll, he'll go spend a, a month or something before the season elsewhere. And he's, he's been around uh, just a little bit more. I think he just got to Vegas yesterday. Um, so, yeah, pretty sure he got to Vegas on Monday night. So, he has – you know, it, it, it's still going to be a lot about getting him right. They've also made a change in the – and this does not necessarily exactly have to do just with Zion. But they have made a change in their, in their training staff, um, Aaron Nelson uh who was much heralded when they brought him over from phoenix is now shifting to um a different role he, he's going to be not around as much um so they're going to take a different approach with some of the training stuff and that was something that david griffin talked about at the end of the year they had to look at a lot of different things with how they were doing stuff it, it wasn't just a Brandon ingram issue it wasn't just a design Williamson issue but it is a lot still going on and i think uh, z kind of made a little pop-up surprise appearance on on I think it was Gilbert Arenas' podcast on, on Monday night and talk about he's working now. Yeah, what
0: do you think about that?
1: I thought, it was, uh, I thought it was interesting that they got him to sit down for 10 minutes and talk about um, the diet and the, 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 the training stuff. And, you know, as he, as he said, look, I'm a hooper. This is what I want to do. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's out here trying. I'm not trying to intentionally miss games. I am hurt. Um, but what are, you, what are you doing to fix that? And he talked about the flexibility stuff. And he talked about, um, you know, the, the blueprint that LeBron has given about you know the flexibility and the band work and doing all that kind of stuff, and um I thought he was very candid with the the diet stuff. About he mentioned the, you know, you, you feel like you have this inci- invincibility trait of like I'm, you know, nothing can stop me. I'm 19, I'm 20, I can do whatever I want, I can eat whatever I want. And he said when you're when you're that age and you have all the money in the world, it's it's hard. And I think he he has had to deal with that. And I do think right now I'm I'm, I'm just. Very interested to see if what has happened this summer from the -the off-the-court perspective is going to have a major effect on him on the court in a positive fashion. Whereas it's going to make him lock in a little more, responding to the the kind of the embarrassing nature of what has happened. And you know, see where that goes. But I I thought he was candid in 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 the brief time he was there, and that's uh, that was good to see from from him that he's you know he's he's not going to shy away from from you know talking about stuff like that in in you know certain settings.
0: Yeah, so the Pelicans are a team that is one of the more fascinating teams. They kick the tires on Scoot Henderson. Who knows what they really if they ever made a real offer? I, I've, I talk about this on the pod re- repeatedly. The offer is a is a sensitive topic in the NBA. And I understand why, because you're worried about players. I don't know how serious they got with Charlotte and Portland. I know they talked to them.
1: It's my understanding that it was a, a very much a pick based offer more than anything else, or not even offer. I mean, I use that word offer. Like you just said, it was a picks based discussion. Um, the Pelicans have all of their own picks you know, for the next seven years, they, they have the Lakers deferment pick in, in, that they could could defer to 2025 as a couple of unprotected Milwaukee Bucks picks. And, and it was, if you want that, we can have the discussions and it didn't go much, much further, but it was, it was mostly pick based, um, from what I, right.
0: well, you're not getting the number two or three pick in this draft by offering future firsts, right? So if that's what they only were willing to talk about, then they were never getting it and they didn't get it. So, um, but you know, whatever, um, it has been, um, I mean, who knows how many times this has been said in new Orleans, they were the number two seed before Zion got hurt. Um, <clears throat> they have I've said
1: it a lot. I know that much, <laughs>
0: right. They got Herb Jones done this off season. Uh, he they didn't pick up the option to lock him into the four year contract, which I liked because Herb Jones is a high quality player. Um, so uh, they are flirting with the tax for the first time ever. Um, yes, they are. I would be reasonably surprised, if not outright shocked, if they were a tax paying team. So uh, I suspect they're if they're going to go any way, it will be to reduce payroll going forward, but I don't know for sure. Um, But they will be in theory, starting the season healthy. Uh, Brandon Ingram is playing for team USA in the world cup. He's going to be one of their best players. I expect him to have a pretty big role. Uh, I mean, a wing scorer who, you know, who can shoot from the perimeter. That's like gold. I mean, Kevin Durant is, in most people's view, the greatest TMUSA player of all time, um, in terms of his accomplishments and the volume of accomplishments, uh, there's some guys who have tremendous cases for that. You know, Carmelo being right up there, but I think it's it's Durant, and Brandon Ingram is cut from the same cloth as Durant. He's not Durant, but he's you know that type of player, and so that type of player is extraordinarily valuable in that setting. So he, you know, I would assume would be coming into camp in good condition in good shape coming off that experience. Do you believe that the Pelicans can get back to that level that they were at? You know, assuming Zion is able to play.
1: It's I do. And it's, it's still just a lot about health. And I think everything comes down to health. They traded for CJ McCollum, you know, 18 months ago or whatever it is now. And in that half of season and then all of last year, he has played in 10 games with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Obviously, Z missed the
0: I mean, I know you've said that stat several times, but it's it still halts you.
1: 172 minutes, 10 games, plus 60 in those 172 minutes. Again, small sample size theater for, for what they've actually been on. But the fact that it's been 10 games since, you know, February 2022 is is kind of alarming. It's it's always about health of this team. And, and it has been and it will continue to be. Uh, about health, if they are healthy, if this is a healthy team, then, yeah, I do do feel like they can compete. I mean, they they had a stretch there in December. And even during that stretch in December when they – it was a good – it was like a four- or five-game stretch where they, like, they beat Denver here in New Orleans. Then they had the two Phoenix games. I was, you know, one of the ones with the Zion windmill at the end of the game against Phoenix, and he made the comment about, you know, they eliminated my team. I, I felt some kind of way. And, you know, they, they flirted with being first and the less at that point. But Brandon wasn't even playing in those games. You know, Brandon had hurt his toe the end of November. And December might have been the best I'd seen this team look. Um, you had Trey, in the, in the, Trey Murphy in the starting lineup. You know, he was shooting great. And I think there's just – if you can figure out the health situation, you can take a step. I know one of the things that Griff has talked about, uh, David Griffin is, you know, getting some ring protection for this team. for a team that was still 6th or 7th in, in, in defense last year. Um, you know, they, they still finished yeah, pretty high. They, they,
0: they, the reason they were able to even mildly stay afloat was because they defended. And that's really – I mean, that's because they have, you know, good perimeter defenders. And that's also because Willie Green is a coach that has high standards. And that, you know – it can help carry the day, even when they've been decimated by injuries.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why they actually, I mean, we we, we talk about the Zion injury, it, it, another injury that hurt them down the stretch. I talk about, you know, he wasn't maybe very, he wasn't 100% down the down the, the stretch of the season, but they missed Jose Alvarado a lot in the last Big month time. and a half of the year. They missed Jose a lot. And I remember we went up to, you know, spoke briefly with Jose in Vegas, and he's like, "Look, I'm back. I'm back." He was hyped, and I think talk about another guy who's going to have a big role in World Cup. Jose is going to be there with uh, with Puerto Rico, and I think he's going to to come into the season, you know, feeling pretty good and feeling, you know, that he's got to make up a little bit for lost time not being there the last month and a half season or whatever it was. But I think what you see is it, it, the health is there. You you see the. vision. And Griff has talked about rim protection, but, you know, so if they could still maybe try to do a deal, and I think the easiest route to that is some sort of JV or Kyra Lewis combination. That's really the only thing that kind of gets you to, um, I guess maybe the money that you would like to be at, or, and then still being able to stay below the tax, if you're going to stay below the tax once the season starts. So it's, yeah. I thought they would make more moves this offseason. I, I didn't think they would essentially just try to run it back. I mean, all they really done is replace, you know, Josh him leaves. You replace him with Jordan Hawkins, your number 14 pick. Um, You'd let Jackson Hayes and, and Willie Hernan Gomez walk. You replace, you know, one of those with um, Cody Seller on a minimum deal. And then I think EJ did you upgraded from a, a two-way contract to a, to a full contract, and I honestly, I think if, if EJ Liddell doesn't tear his ACL, I think probably a year ago, either today or tomorrow, somewhere in there, it was late later in summer league. If he doesn't tear his ACL, he probably has a contract spot last year. Maybe he's not on a two-way, but I think, I mean, that's really all you've done. And running it back is not a not a terrible idea, but I, I still thought they would have made a, another move for the forward rim protection, but. I mean, if you could just keep guys from getting to the rim, then maybe – which was part of what their defensive scheme was and just try to, you know, force guys away. You know, we'll see what works. But I, I was a little surprised they haven't done that move. I think they were maybe kind of still taking some phone calls. So I'll try to see if, if if something can work there. But I still think you're you're in a good spot. But, again, it all comes on health, and health has just been such a big issue for this team. They are making some moves in that department. Other moves that, have, that are kind of still going on right now too – strengthen the 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 training staff but it's it's just going to come down to health and it's going to come down come down to the health of number one and the health of number 14 about where this team's going to go
0: right so they do have the expiring contract of Jonas Valanciunas which is 15 million dollars um and those um draft picks they have a selection of young players Dyson Daniels there's interest in him he was a top 10 pick a year ago her uh, Trey Murphy is probably would be one of the most valuable players in trade that they could even have. I mean, people would crawl all over (laughs) themselves to get Trey Murphy. If they ever, you know, they actually are in position to make a competitive offer on a, on a significant player um, because of those picks that they have because of a couple of young players that they have. And um, because of the expiring contract of Valanciunas, if they keep to it. So the thing is, though, I just don't see him going into the tax, so it would have to be done that. So, um, but we'll see um, for sure. Uh, all right, Andrew, thank you for coming on. We're uh, trying to trying to keep uh, something to talk about here as we go into the dead days of the of the season, and um, I appreciate you. I appreciate our producers, Jackson and Bruce. Thanks for listening to Luke Collective. We'll talk to you soon.